Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yours Truly podcast. You are tuning into episode 142 here on the show, and I am really grateful that you're joining me. Uh, my name is Claire Tuning. I am a registered dietitian, a certified intuitive eating counselor, and also the host of the show, if you hadn't already pieced that together. And today, I am actually doing something that I've never done before here on the podcast. I I have noticed that a, a number of other podcasters will do this. And I thought, why in my 142 episodes have I not yet done that? So I am doing a rerun episode, meaning I have looked back through all of the episodes and the guest interviews I have ever done and I have ever shared. And I looked at some of the ones that have been the best received or listened to the most. And I have landed on a conversation that I had last March, I believe it was. So it was uh, right when everything started getting really serious with the pandemic, at least here in the United States. And it's a conversation that I had with my friend and my colleague, Brie Campos. You may know her as Body Image with Brie. I reference her a lot here on the show. I have had many wonderful opportunities to learn from her over the years. So I am really excited to be re-sharing this conversation with all of you here today. If you, maybe you're a new listener, maybe you hadn't listened to this episode yet. It was all the way back in the early 80s of the show. So we've uh, we've done a couple things between now and then, but uh, I'm going to share a little bit more about this episode and what Brie and I talk about here in a couple of moments. But before we dive in, I have to share a goal slayer post of the week. So if you are new here, this is a segment in the intro of every show where I share a post that has been made in our free private Facebook community called the Yours Truly Goal Slayers. And I will tell you more about that community here in a couple of moments and how you can join us if you're not already there. But this is a post that I feel inclined to share because it is a, a common question that I see and some of the, the answers that this poster received in the comment section of this post, I actually did not know or I was not aware of. So I figure I got to help spread the good news here. So this person writes, hello all, just a quick question. I need some advice. I have been seeing quite a number of weight loss ads and they're really starting to bug me. Does anyone have tips on how to adjust the setting on Facebook and Instagram to lower the amount of ads related to that? So before I even read the responses and some of the answers and tips, this is something that I talk to my clients a lot about, we talk a lot about in this community is regularly auditing your feeds as far as what content you are seeing on social media. It is challenging enough to move away from diet culture, the diet mentality, whatever you wanna call it, but that process is process. That came out funny. That process. I've talked a lot today. This is like the third thing I've recorded. So if my, my words are coming out a little funny, I apologize. But that process is only made more challenging when we are constantly being bombarded with things on our feed that bring us back into this mindset of calories, weight loss, moralizing around food, right? That good, bad food language. And, um, of course we can choose at least to a certain extent 
what we allow into our feed by auditing the people we follow or the accounts that we follow. But unfortunately, with the ads that are present on Instagram, uh, Facebook, even TikTok at this point, sometimes these diety messages can feel really inescapable even if you're doing everything that you can to unfollow helpful accounts. It just really seems like some of these messages still weasel their way into your feed. So um, back to the, the post, I wanted to share a couple of comments or one specifically comment that was left that offers some instructions on how to adjust ad preferences. Now, this is specific for Facebook. A similar process might work for Instagram. You might have to go and play around with that, but this is specifically for Facebook. But this individual writes for Facebook, when you see an ad, click on the three dots in the top right corner and then click, why am I seeing this ad? From there, you can click adjust ad preferences. And at the top, it will give you the option to look at the ad topics that you are shown the most and you have the option to hide certain topics from there. So again, little overview, when you see an ad, click the three dots in the top right-hand corner, click why am I seeing this, and then adjust ad preferences. And then you can select, or maybe in this case, deselect some of the things or the topics that you are being shown ads for. So I hope you found this helpful. Uh, again, this is a little bit of a, a different post than I typically highlight in the, the opener of a podcast, but I found this to be a really practical and a useful tip as far as getting away from some of those unhelpful and potentially triggering ads. But like I said a couple of moments ago, if you want to come join us in this community, we are a group of, uh, let's see, how many people? About 906 of us at this point who are wanting to learn more about intuitive eating, looking for support from like-minded individuals. You can ask questions. You can read other people's questions and responses to those questions. We do live videos every now and again. So it's a, a really great space where I can promise you that there will not be diety talk. We, we really do our best in this community to keep this a safe and uplifting place for all. So if you'd like to come and join us, you can visit my website by going to clairetuning.com slash community, clairetuning.com slash community, and that link will take you directly to the brief application that I will have you fill out before we invite you into the community. The purpose of the application is just so you can learn some of the rules and the guidelines, what the community is about, and also so I can learn a little bit about you and all of our community members as you come in. So fill out that application and then my team and I will look it over and we'll get back to you as soon as possible and bring you into our, our little corner of the internet, if you will. So like I mentioned a couple of moments ago, I am doing a rerun episode with my colleague and I'm lucky enough to call her now a friend. Her name is Brie Campos, but if you're not already familiar with Brie, uh, A, do you live under a rock? Uh, <laughs> totally kidding, but I, I do talk about Brie a lot. I bring her up in client sessions all the time, and she is a really wonderful resource on all things body image and body grief, even as she calls it. So a little bit about her from her bio, from some information on her website is she is a licensed professional counselor 
body image coach, and an online business owner based in New Jersey. She helps individuals just like you who might be struggling to find food freedom from, or find freedom rather. The word food was not in there, but my dietitian brain just inserted it. Let's back up. She helps people just like you who might be struggling to find freedom from body shame. She also helps providers become more confident in exploring body image with their clients through her Body Image 101 course and her Body Image Supervision cohort. Brie is determined to help professionals and super special people, non-professionals alike, to build dialogue around body image. I have to say, I have to, to give Brie a plug from my personal perspective, but earlier this year, here in 2021, I had the privilege of being a part of Brie's spring body image supervision cohort from professionals. This was a program that spanned a couple of months. We would meet every other week. It was a group of professionals, talk about body image, and we would learn from Brie and receive tools from her on how we can navigate conversations about body, body image, body discomfort in our sessions with clients. And uh, I have to give Brie so much credit because I am so much more comfortable now in talking about body image in general, not only in my personal life, but also in my professional work with clients as well. So thank you, Brie, if you happen to be listening to this, if you are a fellow professional listening to this episode, whether you're a therapist, a dietitian, a coach, and you are thinking that you need more help and more support in working with your clients on the topic of body image, I really recommend literally anything that Brie has to offer, but especially that supervision cohort. And if you are not a professional, but you're just someone who is looking to learn more about body image, how to navigate that, how to you know hold space for some of the discomfort that you might be feeling around your body. I hope you'll not only find this rerun to be helpful, but I hope you'll also go over and give Brie a follow because she puts out so much content and, and free stuff that is just you know really supportive. So uh, be sure to check her out and, and all of her information will be listed in the show notes, of course. But to give you a, a brief idea or a teaser as far as what Brie and I talk about in this conversation. She defines body image for us. What is it? What are we talking about when we say body image? Uh, we also talk about how body image plays a role, of course, in our relationship with food. And we talk about some of those messages that we see a lot on social media. I can only speak for myself, but I know I've seen a lot of those messages that on the surface, they say something like, love yourself or you're awesome or you know your body is a good body but then for some reason they follow up those messages with lose weight or here's this diet program or here's my you know six weeks detox program right it's it's all of this the confusing messages of you're great but lose weight or you should love yourself but not before you change your body like all of these conflicting messages so i get her input on that and I also ask her a question at the end of the interview. So stick around if you, you have the time and if you're interested, but I ask her, can the active pursuit of weight loss harm one's relationship with his, her, or their body? It's a really interesting question and I, I hope you'll stick around for her answer. But without further ado, or I guess one more thing before I fully hand it over to this 
year and a half old conversation with Brie. Like I said earlier, this episode was recorded back in March or February of 2020. So I know a lot of things have changed and evolved since then. So I apologize if there's anything in the episode that maybe doesn't age well or it doesn't make a ton of sense knowing what we know to be true about COVID and the state of the world now, but um, I hope you'll still find some some helpful tidbits. So now, without further ado, here is my conversation from the archives with Brianna Campos at Body Image with Brie. Enjoy. All right, Brie Campos, welcome to the Yours Julie podcast. I am so incredibly excited that you are here. How are you on this lovely Wednesday morning? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course, as I was sharing with you before we hit record, I'm super excited to have someone on with an expertise that is not just about the food. I feel like we talk about food and the relationship to food a lot here on the podcast, which I love and is, you know, what I am trained to do, but I'm really happy to dive into some body image stuff with you. But before we get to that, I briefed you that I have a little game show segment that I like to play (laughs) called This or That. So my first question for you is iced coffee or hot coffee? What do you prefer? Oh, man. I don't know if I can choose. Right now I'm drinking hot coffee, so we'll go with hot coffee. You must choose one. I feel like we're recording this like kind of at the awkward turn of a season where like yeah. sometimes it's warm and it's like, yay, iced coffee. And the other times it's like rainy and cold, at least today where I am. And the, the mm-hmm. hot is very much needed, I feel. For sure. Yeah. Next one. Do you prefer cities or countryside? Like if you had to choose one to live in, what would you prefer? Countryside. I love it. Do you live in the countryside now? Or you no. Know? <laughs> <laughs> I live in, in New Jersey and I live uh-huh. in Bergen County. So it's very hustle and bustle and it's it's a lot. And And I feel like I'm like one of the few people who said like, I really don't like New York City. Like just a lot of people in a small space. I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan either. And I'm kind of wondering, like, are you allowed to say that you don't like New York City if you live that close to it? I feel like you're not supposed to. I know I'm of the minority in that. All right. Well, hope people of the Yours Truly podcast aren't going to come banging down your door saying, what the heck, (laughs) Brady? Go there, but it's not my favorite. (laughs) I love it. Next one. Are you a night owl or a morning person? What do you prefer? Uh, I am such a night owl. If if you ever see me on Instagram, I'm like posting at like one, two in the morning. I would love to become a morning person, but it's just, it ain't happening. Yeah. I feel like you got to go with what just feels natural, right? Sometimes you just can't force it. And if your magic time is in the evening, stay up and then sleep later. There you go. Um, Next one, Mexican food or Italian food? If you had to choose one or the other, like they couldn't exist on the same planet, which one would you have? I would, I would probably say Italian food. Ooh. Okay. What's the main pull there? Is it like a pasta? Is it like a, what's the main pull? Uh, I think think because I am Italian, so I feel like that would probably be the main pull. But man, that's a hard. I wouldn't want to live in a world where there isn't Mexican and Italian food. I know, right? (laughs) So much joy would just like escape me. Um, Final one. This one, I've never asked anyone this before. And I know there are multiple streaming services, but Netflix or Hulu? Netflix for sure. Although I'm a little bit mad at Netflix for taking off friends. So I I haven't, I haven't really recovered from that just yet. Um, (laughs) But 
yeah, I, I'm a Netflix girl for sure. Yeah, me, me too. I, a lot of my friends are like, why don't you have Hulu? I'm like, I don't know what's on there that Netflix doesn't have. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I think I do have Hulu, but like, because I have a Spotify account. So um, the only thing I watched on Hulu was Shrill, which was awesome. But other than that, I'm a go-to Netflix kind of gal. Yeah, I believe, isn't This Is Us, is that on Hulu, maybe? Maybe, but I watched that live, so. <laughs> uh, all right, you beat me there. I, I had a roommate one time, and we were super into that show together, and we would always watch it on some sort of streaming service that was hers. <laughs> I bet you it's, that was Yeah, Hulu. it's probably Hulu. I don't know. I should, I should reach out and see. But um, that concludes our This or That segment. So I hope everyone learned a little bit about you from a fun perspective beyond what's your name? What do you do? But I would love to dive into that a little bit now. So for anyone yeah. who doesn't know you, who should and who will <laughs> after this podcast is over, can you maybe just share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So uh, my name is Brianna Campos. I live in Bergen County, New Jersey, and I am a licensed mental health counselor in the state of New Jersey. But most people know me as Brie uh, from my Instagram page is Body Image with Brie, where I offer body image coaching services and a platform where I just want to invite people to learn how to make peace with their here and now body. And I, I you know, I, uh, prescribed to a health at every size and intuitive eating, you know, food freedom approach and how those two things have helped me make peace in my body. And since this is a recording, no one can see. Um, if you don't know me, I live life in a larger body and I'm here to tell people that you can make peace in your body, even if it means that you live in a larger body. And I know this because I'm living it. Yeah. And I feel that's a super refreshing message because, you know, some of the questions I have a little bit later, I'm seeing so often in social media, which I'm sure mm -hmm. you do as well, because you're there as much as I am, this very conditional message associated yeah. with bodies and accepting your body and caring for your body saying you, you can't until X happened, right? Or until, Correct. you know, weight loss occurs. So I'd love to dive into that here in a moment, but I know this next question is one that you probably get a lot, but I think it might be beneficial before we dive into some body image questions and some topics there. If you could just define from your perspective, what is body image. Like, I feel like it's this big topic, but does anyone sure. ever offer like a definition? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even when I, when I started, you know, doing podcasts and, you know, speaking mm -hmm. at events, I'm like, I need like a straightforward definition of what body image encompasses. And essentially at its core, body image is the way that you think about your body or the way you view your body in your mind or when you see yourself in pictures. At its core, that's what body image is. But I think oftentimes what happens is we correlate body image and body satisfaction as the same thing. So I'll talk a lot about body satisfaction, whereas satisfaction in an untainted version from diet culture is the premise that your body, you can be satisfied with your body without concerning yourself of what it looks like. That being comfortable in your skin does not necessarily correlate with what you look like. But it, a, a version 
that is sold by diet culture is that in order to be comfortable in your skin, you have to condition your body to look a certain way. And this is a really easy place for people to hide. So when we talk about having a positive body image, the first thing we talk about is, well, are you satisfied? Like, are you comfortable with your body? Are you comfortable with the way that it looks? And that's, that's just sort of the message that has been transcribed and communicated over and over again. And so, you know, kind of just dive in and real deep quickly. Yeah, go for it. Um, anytime that I would share in my own therapy sessions that I was feeling uncomfortable in my body, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that. And it was always celebrated. And I always say that one of the first moments where I broke this cognitive dissonance, cognitive dissonance is when your thoughts and your beliefs aren't matching up with your actions. So the first time in therapy, when I, you know, told my therapist that I wasn't comfortable in my body, but I was going to, you know, I started this new diet plan and I, you know, this was my goal. And I was like, my goal is just to be healthy. And my therapist asked me, well, what does health mean to you? And I I think I said something along the lines of, you know, I just want to feel normal around food. I want to eat fruits and vegetables daily and I want to move my body or exercise. And she said, so then you are healthy. And I was like, no, 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 no. I also need to be thin. And she was like, but that's not what you just described as health. So it was one of the first moments and I remember getting very defensive. One of the first moments where I was like, huh, I'm correlating health with being in a smaller body. So going back to that body satisfaction, once I was able to remove that health piece of I'm concerned for my health, really it was, I was concerned with my fatness. I was concerned with being in a larger body and what that meant for me. And so I had this obscure job that I had to figure out how to be satisfied in my body with the notion that I might never be the ideal body size, quote unquote. Um, right. That I had to figure out how to be comfortable in the skin that I'm in. So that was a long winded answer. No, I think that was wonderful because I think you're kind of pointing out some of how we talk about body image and how some of it doesn't make a lot of sense. And you know, there's a big difference between, you know, that body satisfaction piece and maybe what we're, we're seeing a lot in social media and then, you know, the images and the messages that we have shown to us, you know, every single day. So something that I'm kind of wondering spiraling off of that again, because I'm a dietitian. And I know you've been on other, you know, dietitians podcasts before, but um, something that I find a lot of people coming into work with me feeling or thinking is, you know, it's just about the food, right? You know, Mm -hmm. I just want to feel normal around food. I just want to feel quote unquote in control. Like I just want to work on my relationship with food, but inevitably we find that it does become very tangled with how we feel about our bodies, how we feel in our bodies and kind of this conversation that you and I are getting at. So I'd love to know from your perspective, yeah. how does our relationship with our body and, and everything that you just shared, how does that relate, if any at all, from your perspective to our relationships with food? Absolutely. So I I fundamentally believe that we cannot talk about our relationship with our bodies unless we also talk about our relationship to food and to movement. And and so a little bit of like a backstory. I, I've never had an eating disorder. And yet I've always been assumed to have had an eating disorder because I live in a larger body. And I remember I was working at an eating disorder clinic and I was telling 
girls these things about like, you know, you can eat whatever you want. Like your body size doesn't matter. But then I wasn't practicing that in my real life. And so that added to that cognitive dissonance of, okay, well, why am I telling these girls it's okay for them to eat, you know, X, Y, and Z foods? But then I was purposely cutting those out so that my body size didn't change. And so that's when I realized that in order for me to make peace with my food, I had to be okay with my body changing. And that was a terrifying process. And it was very, there, there's no book that tells you how to do it. There's no, you know, roadmap. And, and at the time I was working with a dietitian who was in a smaller body. So even though she could empathize, she didn't, she couldn't understand my experience of like, Hey, there's, there's this deep innate fear of my body getting bigger because of what the message is in society, in my family, in, you know, um, maybe not so much my career, but just about people in larger bodies that am I going to be taken seriously as a professional? My fear of my body changing, my, my fear of my body size changing completely impacted how I would relate to food and how I would what food choices I would make. And so once I realized that, once I brought that into the light, um, rather than avoid it, right? So I I can't eat this food because it gives me anxiety. I would force myself to do exposures. I would say, I'm going to sit and eat this food. And I've shared this, this before. So I'll remember the first time, one of my biggest fear foods was, uh, can I, can I share that on here? Yeah, Yeah, cool. Um, we're bagels. And, you know, now when I look back, I think, um, bagels, they had such a, like a food memory to them. Like, you know, my family, every Sunday after church, we'd get bagels and then we'd all sit and we'd eat together. And it was like this really nice family. So there's, there's, you know, besides for them being delicious, there was also this comfort, uh, that came from it. And anytime I would want to order a bagel myself, I would be filled with this anxiety of like, oh my gosh, like I can't, like I shouldn't be eating a bagel. And so I remember wanting a bagel one day and I was like, I'm going to do it regardless of how I feel. And I'm going to connect to the thoughts that I'm having. The sh- like I call it like a shame storm. I don't call it that. Brene Brown calls it that. And I <laughs> have copied her because I love her. And I cannot wait for the day that she is intuitive eating aligned and health yep. at every size. She's like yes. one step away. She's, She's getting so there. close. She's so close. <laughs> I believe it. Because you can't have a conversation about body image if you can't talk about shame. It just can't happen. And so I remember walking into the to the grocery into the bagel store, and uh, I do this this activity with with clients as I'll have them scale on a scale of one to ten. How anxious does it make you? And I was at an eight. I said, "Oh, we're buying a bagel," and I was like, "Okay, what are the thoughts that are in my head?" My thought was, "Okay, I'm afraid of what these people are thinking about me." ordering this food. I'm afraid that they're going to judge me, that they're going to think less of me. I was like, I remember the one thought that kind of pulled me out of it was I had said to myself, see, this is why you're fat. And I said, hold up. (laughs) And I had to reality test that. I was like, there's two people in front of you who are ordering bagels and they are not in a larger body. And also you tell girls all the time, you tell people at your eating store clinic, you don't need 
like one food does not make you a size, right? And so reality testing that moment was really significant for me of, wow, there's such shame associated with this food. And in the past, I would take that shame and I would just shove it down and just ignore it and then, you know, eat it in shame and in secrecy or I'd get somebody else to order the bagel for me or whatever the case may be. And once you take away that food scarcity, once you take away that, that food shame and you can invite that conversation in, um, oh, my cat has decided to turn on the podcast. Hi, cat. Oh, this is Olaf. I'm so sorry for anyone that's listening. Olaf, just, that's your cat's name? Yeah. Like the snowman? <laughs> like the snowman. I love Because he likes so warm hugs and he's so, he's so needy. Oh, my gosh. No, you cannot step on the camera. <laughs> that's what I love um, doing about, like, video chat is, like, I get to meet family members, pets. Yeah. <laughs> And I usually lock my door and I heard him, his little bell came down and I was like, oh no, he's going to bother me. <laughs> That's okay. Cats are welcome here on the Yours Truly podcast, especially Perfect. if you love warm hugs. <laughs> Wonderful. He does love warm hugs and he loves being the center of attention. So, okay. I'm going to go back to the podcast now, dude. All right. Um, so yeah. So just really inviting that conversation in and really connecting to it. I, I tell clients all the time that making peace with food is a major step and making peace with your body. And a lot of times what happens in like even sort of recovery centers is we, we work on like weight restoration or the food piece. And oftentimes the message is said, you know, body image is the last piece that we work on. And I disagree with that. It has to happen together because that's where the magic happens that making peace with food and your body, they happen simultaneously. Yeah. I love how you're kind of painting that picture. And I know people can't see us, but you're doing this motion with your hand of like things coming together. Yeah. And I love how you're kind of presenting that as one really can't happen without the other. It really yeah. has to be the, this step-by-step -step process that happens uh, alongside each other. And I For love sure. too something that I really enjoy doing here on the podcast is bringing as many like tactical step-by-step yeah. -step examples of things that we can do. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes- yeah conversations about intuitive eating or yeah. making peace with whatever it might be sometimes tend to be a little bit like up in the cloud sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I love what you just offered of like that really tactical step-by-step -step process of, you called it reality checking. Reality um, testing, I, I yeah. think that's a, a reality testing. Is that what you said? Yeah. I think that's really awesome of just being aware of what is the fear around right now, mm -hmm. right? How fearful or how anxious does this make me feel? And what are the thoughts or the beliefs that are feeding into that? And how can I just have a conversation about those things and maybe yeah. just hold space for them rather than yes. saying no, <laughs> like, yes. talk about that right now. So maybe using your example there in the grocery store, because something that I talk to my clients a lot about is what are those food fears? when do they come up? How often yeah. do they come up? What is the voice in the back of your head saying? What might you say to someone who maybe is ready to take the step to have awareness of those fears yeah. and maybe know what they are, but they're not quite ready to act on that food fear. So what might be Absolutely. something that they can do maybe in the interim of, I'm going to stand in line. I'm going to like hear the thoughts about the bagel that are coming into my mind, but yeah. you know, what maybe can they do if they're not quite ready to actually go and order and eat? Does that make sense? A thousand percent. And I think, I think when, if you were to think of it from a therapeutic standpoint of, um, exposure therapy is, uh, what we would do, uh, there's exposure therapy and then there's, um, there's flooding. 
And so flooding is what I did. It was like, I'm going to do this no matter what. I'm going to go in. I'm going to order my bagel. Exposure would be like, let's just talk about it. Let's, let's sit and say, okay, if you were to go and order a bagel today, what would that, what would that look like? What do you think some of the things, do you remember the last time you went into the store and or to the bagel store and were you connected to your body at all? And what do you think would make it easier? What do you think would, would make it possible that we could, we could do that, you know, in reality. And so I, I did the flooding because I knew I, I knew I could handle it. And I knew that if I needed to, I could process with somebody, but for somebody who's really got these deep fears, exposure is a great start. Now, um, there could be a moment where let's say you're in the bagel or you're in the grocery store and there's something you're like, Oh, I really want to buy but you're like maybe not yet ready to commit to that. Mm-hmm. First thing you want to do is you want to check in with yourself of how anxious does this make me feel? Right? So that's that scaling, mm-hmm. the scale of one to 10. Like I said, I was at an eight over buying a bagel and I was like, that's crazy, right? Like it's a bagel. Like why does this have so much power over me? And when I let myself really experience of what the fear was, the fear came back to is that it's going to change my body size. Now, if you're not ready for that, there's two things you can do. One, you can choose to say, I'm going to put this thought, this fear in a box. I'm going to put it in a box in my brain. And when I go back to see, you know, Claire, or when I go back and, you know, go to my dietitian or my therapist, I, I will, I will process it with them but I can't, I can't process it now. And I I invite clients to do that all the time. I'm like, Hey, when these moments come up, you don't have to, you do not have to dive in, just build awareness around it. That is the first step that I encourage anybody to take. Um, because you cannot be aware of the thought patterns you have unless you have awareness of what those thought patterns are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a tangible. No, no, that's, I I love the, the imagery of like putting it in a box saying, Hey, thought, I see you. (laughs) I hear you. Like I know where you're coming from, but I don't really want to do this right now. Or I don't feel like I can handle it on my own, but being aware that it's there for, you know, when the time and the place is to talk about that and to process that. And I love too the idea that you mentioned of just kind of thinking about, what does the store look like? Or, you know, what might I want to order on the bagel? Just kind of like envisioning and maybe getting more familiar with that thought before, you know, one might feel ready to take that next step into physically going there and, you know, ordering the bagel kind of, um, really just acting out of self-care. I feel like for wherever one is, um, for whatever stage in the process they might be at. So I love, love, love all of that, that, that you just shared. And I'd love to, I don't know if I'd really call it switching gears because it's still going to be along the same line but I have been seeing something on social media recently. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if it's just this week. I'm noticing it more because the week we are recording this is National Eating Disorder Awareness Mm -hmm. Week. So I don't know if more people are sharing their stories or I don't know if I'm just becoming more attuned to some of these messages, but I would love your take on some of these messages that we see that shout like, self-love and like care for your body and like your body is worthy. They shout that from the rooftops in one post and then maybe a couple posts later or later in the caption, they start talking about, and here's how you work to change it. Or, and Mm. like, here's why your weight loss might not be quote unquote working. Like kind of like these messages that seem really self-love invoking and like, you're awesome. But at the same time, here's how you can 
change you. Um, I just kind of love to hear your thoughts on that. And is that something that makes sense or is that kind of a misleading message? Yeah. So I, I, I have to function from the belief that I believe people are doing the best they can with the resources and knowledge they have available to them because otherwise I think I would just be angry and exhausted all of the time. And, and, and the reason I, I function from that perspective is because I too once functioned from that perspective of telling people that they can love themselves, yet I was actively trying to change my body. And I, I, I really believe my, my mom always says this thing you don't know what you didn't know. Do you know you didn't know it? Now I know she didn't come up with that, but she'll say it all the time. And I, I almost have this belief system. And, and there was a podcast. I don't know if you listened to dietitians unplugged and yeah. And they had this episode where the guest spoke about how, um, diet culture is almost like a cult right? And how we have sort of just indoctrinated all of these belief systems that you don't even know that you're prescribed to it until you're like, whoa, hey, wait a second. This, this doesn't make sense. This, this cognitive dissonance of what I'm saying isn't matching up with what I'm, I'm doing or believing. And so I do believe at, at its core, people are they do know that we need to love ourselves and we need to prescribe to that, that level of, you know, loving ourselves and being worthy. But I think it all still comes back to that body satisfaction piece. But, but if you're not comfortable with your body, it's okay to then want to change it. And the argument that I make is, so like I, I used this example recently with, I actually teach introduction to eating disorders um, at a college nearby and I use this example with, with my students. I was like, you know, it's like when you have a, a bad breakup and you're just like, I just need a change. Like I just need something to change. And so you go get a haircut. You're absolutely welcome to change your hair, but that's not really going to fix anything, right? It might seem like it is, but it's, it's really not. And I, I can speak from my experience of changing my body multiple, multiple times of, you know, being on many diets and it takes up so much brain space and time and energy. It, it was almost like a hobby, right? And, it, it, and I said I loved it. But then when my body wouldn't change, when it stopped working, then I would beat myself up and I would get angry and I would get frustrated and the dialogue that I had with myself wasn't kind and wasn't loving. And so, yeah, you can say, you know, whatever you want. You could say self-love, blah, blah, blah. But then when it gets down to it and you're still promoting weight loss or you're still promoting attempting to, to manipulate your body, one, your research is outdated. There is, no, there is no empirical evidence that supports weight loss as a mechanism for health for more than I think it's five years, right? Like there's no sustain, there's no, there's no evidence to support that. Um, yet this is the message that we keep like putting out there of like, Oh, but being in a larger body is, you know, uh, you know, not good for your health. And I'm currently actually reading the book, uh, body respect mm-hmm. by Lindo Bacon. Yep. And it, it's like blowing my mind. I'm like, everyone needs to read this book. One of the things that she, that I'm um, sorry, um, 
that Lindo shares in the book is, um, or the authors, there's two. One of the things they share is that there was, uh, there was this statement made that like our generation's kids are going to die sooner than their parents. And they said that there is actually no study or statistics that backs that up. It was an opinion piece. Yet that's a fact that's repeated multiple times by multiple sources. And that's crazy where they, they actually reported that the longevity of life is higher, even though we are quote unquote fatter than we ever were before. So there is just a lot of mixed messages that go about that are, are, are you know, I can't think of the word, but that are like, it almost feels like propaganda. There's yeah. something for someone to gain, right? By telling us that we have something to lose, that we need to change. Like there would be, I mean, nobody can profit off of saying everything that you have or everything you need is already inside of you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and there's so much evidence that supports that behavior changes for health is important. But here's the other piece. Health isn't an important value to everyone. But yet we use it as an excuse to judge people, to treat them with biased medical care, to, you know, like we, we can't even have somebody do, do you remember the, the razor commercial? I think it was Gillette. And there was such flashback and outrage because we're promoting obesity and it's, it's a tragedy, but I think, yeah, I really do believe that. It, it, it is spewed as hate, right? And it comes off as, um, you know, fat phobia. And it is at its core. But I, I do truly believe that um, people just don't know. They just don't know yet. And that's why, that's why we do the work that we do. Yeah. And I think that's so important what you were sharing a couple of moments ago, like coming at it from the angle of trying to be as compassionate as possible, because you can hope that the individual that is maybe sharing some of these mixed messages or these misleading misleading messages maybe just doesn't know um, another way. And I can really resonate with that as well. Being, you know, someone who was brought up in a traditional nutrition schooling approach, we were never educated on what you and I are speaking about. We were never educated on the social justice roots of, hey, is intuitive eating, any of that. We were told, hey, here's how um, a carbohydrate works in the body. Here's the Krebs cycle. And um, here's how you tell people to manipulate their intake to lose weight in a quote unquote sustainable fashion, (laughs) right? That's kind of what we were fed, no pun intended. So it really is quite the shift to start seeing some of these messages and learning. And I think it's really wonderful that you come at it from that approach of, you know, we don't know what we don't know. until we know that. I know I just butchered your your mom yeah. saying or whoever that came from, but I think it's so important. So I'm kind of sitting here wondering um, if someone is listening, listening to you speak and they're like, wow, this makes so much sense when Brie explains it. Like I really wa- want to work on healthy behaviors and learning to care for my here and now body as you say, but maybe they're kind of following that up with, but 
I just don't feel comfortable or, but, um, I just want to be able to do quote unquote, what I used to do when I was a teenager. Right. Um, that is just something that I hear very often. And again, we have to meet that with compassion because that's someone's lived experience and that's how they feel. But how might you respond or what might you share with someone if they really love this message and they want to make peace with food and their bodies? um, And it's been followed up with kind of this, but message. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And I, I hear that and I, I empathize with you and I sit in that with you. I think as human beings, we don't like discomfort, right? Discomfort is never going to be something that we're like, oh, goody, this is, this is hard to deal with. Um, one of the, the things that we do is, is, in a counseling profession is we work on distress tolerance. And this doesn't mean that we make distress easier, right? It doesn't mean that we make it feel good. It just makes it more tolerable. And it's remembering that that discomfort is going to end, right? Is that, that discomfort has an expiration date. And I I know even from my own journey, it felt very hopeless. I was like, I don't think I'll ever be able to feel comfortable in my body unless it looks the way that I want it to. And one of the things I encourage my clients is that when you change how you treat yourself, right? When you change what what messages you're, you're putting into your body, right? What you're quote unquote feeding yourself, what you're feeding your brain. And when you, when you learn how to care for your body in a way that is non-judgmental, your definition of body love changes, right? Because we use self-love and body love. So like, it's so conditional, like you can love your body if, and when it looks like this and when it's doing what you want it to do. And that's not love. Like, can you imagine saying, I'm only going to love my partner or my parent, or my child, or my cat, when it does what I want it to. That's not love. That's yeah. control, right? Mm-hmm. And so there has to be this unconditional love. And we don't have that right now. And because we have purported this, this message of body hate, and people are very uncomfortable with that. They're like, I don't hate my body, right? I just, I just want to be healthier. I don't hate my body because sometimes I look good. I, I don't hate my body. And you fill in X, Y, and Z. So when somebody says to me, you know, I love this message, but I'm uncomfortable in my body. I, we explore that. Okay, so what, what does this discomfort look like? Well, I just want to be able to tie my shoes without feeling like I, I can't breathe. I just want to be able to keep up with my kids. I just want to be able to put on pants that I, you know, I had from a while ago. I just want to be able to run like I used to 10 years ago. And we go back to that reality testing of, okay, so take the running 10 years ago. Is it at all because of, like, maybe it's because of that you've put weight on but you're also not 10 years younger. Is it possible that there are other circumstances that are impacting it? You want to run around with your kids, run around with them, like, go ahead, like do it. And if you get tired, observe it rather than be critical of, oh, I'm out of shape of, man, like I want to have so much fun with my kids and I want my kids to remember this, then I'm going to keep doing it. Um, the shoes one was one that I, I would say a lot too of like, well, this is, I just want to be able to tie my shoes. 
And this is where I introduce this concept of body grief, right? So being that I am grocery store and I wanted something on the top shelf and I usually use this like technique where I'll take something else and I'll like use it to knock it off the shelf but it wasn't working and so I had to ask for help and I was a little bit embarrassed because I was like this is annoying that I have to ask for help but there wasn't shame there wasn't this you're a bad person because you can't reach something on the top shelf so why is it because I need extra help putting my shoes on right? Or I need to find an alternative to put my shoes on. There is this shame. And I think it comes down to thinking that it's something you could control or you should be able to control. So now, I mean, now I I don't even have shoes that tie. I just have slip on. Like I use those, I forgot what they're called, but you know, I can just slip my sneakers right on. I think I have one, one tie pair of sneakers. Like when I want to go on like a hike or something like that, but to avoid the aggravation, that's just something I'll do. And rather than see that as like copping out. And when I, when it first happened, when I first bought, you know, shoes that didn't have laces, there was a huge shame conversation that I had to have with myself of like, why is this bringing up so much shame for me? Why do I feel like less than? And we have to sit in that discomfort. We have to explore that. And the fear I think for people is if I sit in it, I'm not going to get out of it. But the truth is if you can, you can go down, I call it like the, like a beast, right? The shame beast, you will come out the other side. When you can go to the underbelly of the beast, you come out. What you can't do is if you just try to fix, okay, well, I'm just going to manipulate my body size so that I can tie my shoes and I can have all these. Then there's, you're just dealing with what's on the surface. You're not going to the deep rooted issues of, I feel less than because I can't put shoes on because I'm worried what people will think of me because it makes me the core belief there is that I'm a failure. And so, yeah, it's these these top surface levels. When someone tells me they resonate with this message, I have hope for them. I have hope that, yeah, this is something that you want. We just have to undo a lot of messaging that you have believed for a really long time. Yeah, that undoing or the unlearning and relearning is verbiage that I will use a lot. And I'm, I'm hoping things that people can pull out of what you're saying. I'm finding a theme and a lot of how you're kind of sharing how you converse with yourself and how you've done a lot of yeah. this is the curiosity and the questioning. Yeah. Something that I'm finding that you're doing instead of saying, oh, it's 100% because of this, or yeah. it's 100% because my body is wrong. It's like, why do I feel that way? Or, you know, right. where is that coming from? It's almost like kind of the, the curiosity that like a kindergartner would have like, mom, why is it that way? <laughs> why is it that way? Like Absolutely. that's what's coming to my mind as you're sharing that. Absolutely. And one of the things I actually want to share if, if that's okay, my yeah, personal experience. So I'm, I'm a health at every size provider. I'm a body image coach. I'm a therapist. I have my master's degree. I am still in process with this. So even just recently, I've been having really bad body image days. Now, I believe this to be for a couple of reasons. Um, I have a lot of stress going on in my life, a lot of things that are out of my control. I personally, I love movement and and moving my body. And I haven't been able to go to the gym because I I just don't have time. And so one of the things I noticed recently was I, I, I went to put on... Uh, a 
a couple of, of clothes and they didn't fit right. And my first thought was, oh no, I'm getting bigger. And, and then I'm like, okay, but that's okay. Right. But then it's like, it's starting to come up of like, oh, is it because of what I'm eating? And in that book, Body Respect, they were talking about one of the biggest reasons that people, that weight, like that influences weight is actually stress, right? It's stress and not sleeping. And that it creates like a hormone blocker where your body will hold on and retain weight. And I'm like, see, and my first instinct was to blame my food. So I'm, I just want to encourage people that this is a journey. There is no destination. There is no, like, there is no, you know, badge or title or if, Oh, okay. That you are going to, you're going to be exempt from experiencing these, these moments that is not realistic. And that's why the curiosity is so important because I have the language, because I have the skill, I can deep dive quickly into that's probably not a true thought or this thought is coming up and that's okay. Let's reality test what else is happening here. And body image satisfaction is fleeting. There are days I feel great. There are days I feel bloated. There are days my clothes feel tight. There are days that I feel hot. But at the end of the day, I always love my body. I love my body 10 out of 10 because it has nothing to do with how my body looks. And that's what I want people to walk away with. That's what I want people to experience is that your body satisfaction has nothing to do with your body image. That when I see a picture of myself or when I see myself in my mind, I know that my body, it's literally like a cup, right? Is It doesn't really matter what, what shape it takes. I know that my body does what it needs to do. But that body satisfaction piece is ever moving. And it is okay. It is normal that even as a provider, I have bad body satisfaction days too. Yeah. It happens. I think it just humanizes you, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm a human. I'm not perfect. And I think it's so important that you're really honing in on the fact that this is not like a static thing that like I have achieved. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I'm never going to have a challenging day again, but rather it's this ever moving, um, ever flowing thing that we have to converse with every yeah. single day. And something that I say to my clients, especially in the relationship to food, I say this process isn't always linear. Some yeah. days you're going to be like, yeah, I'm going to challenge all the things and I feel great about my food. Yeah. Other days it's like, wait, I ate this a couple of days ago and I didn't have any problems with it. But now like all of this stuff is coming up. Right. So I really think it's important and it just, you know, brings this message back down to earth. I feel like when we say right. it's okay to feel like fluctuating and, and feel the ebb and flow there. So Brie, one of the final questions that I have for you before we wrap up with where people can find you and how they can learn more about what you have to offer. But I'd love to know, kind of coming back to our theme of having a tactical takeaway, you've already given like 7,000. So <laughs> if we can add a couple of more in here um, for anyone who is listening to today's show, wherever they might be listening to this, what is maybe either one or two little things that they can do regardless of where they might be in this journey or where they even might be in what environment they're in right now, but what is something that they can do to start inching forward and increasing their level of body satisfaction um, so that in, in turn, one day, maybe body image kind of improves in parallel with that, but just a little one or two things that someone can take and implement. Yeah. Yeah. So one I already said, right? One is building awareness mm -hmm. and that process isn't fun, right? When you build this awareness around 
the negative thoughts that you have about yourself, about your body. It's icky. It's not fun. But I always say you can't play two tracks at once. So you can't play a self-love message while you are also hating your body. And you can play a self-love message and then these little gremlins will come up, which is also from Brene, of like, oh, that you're, you are stepping on my self-love message. But as opposed to playing the gremlin soundtrack and then being like, oh, I really want to love myself. Or I know I don't condition my love for anybody else, but I'm doing it for myself. So just bringing about awareness of how you talk to yourself when you are, you know, eating food, when you're trying on clothes, when you're, um, it, it, when you're having these experiences where you feel shame and two, recognizing them with curiosity rather than judgment. Because so uh, you know, I, I, I remember before I made peace with my body, I hated going clothes shopping. It was a task. It was a chore. And I realized because it, there's a lot of body trauma in that, that when I was younger of going into the store and trying and clothes and, you know, feeling less than, and then, you know, letting those message messages transpire in my brain. So, you know, first build awareness to observation versus judgment, curiosity versus uh, criticism. And then the third thing, which is really super tangible, and it's something that I did in order to make peace with my body. I'm not huge into affirmations, which I don't know. I don't know if it makes me a bad therapist, but I, I just, I don't. I, and I remember when I would run body image groups and the, the, the stuff would be like, oh, you're having a bad body image day. Look in the mirror and say three things you like about your body. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. That's, that's stupid. <laughs> so what I encourage clients to do and what I did with myself is start a running list of the reasons why you are loved. Why do people like you? Why do you like yourself? What is it about you that you like? Because even if you're not there yet, even if you're not to the point, like your body matters still, that's okay. That is okay. I used to feel that way all of the time. I used to feel like, okay, I like, I'm worried that people aren't going to accept me. That's okay. But first let's just open the gates of why are you lovable? Why are you likable? Why, what are just attributes about you that you like, even if it's not about your body or even if it's small, like, oh, I like, you know, this birthmark that I have in my hand, starting small, starting tangible, starting with things that are actually real. So those are my three starter kit ideas. <laughs> you just put us together a toolkit and you're going to send us all off on our way. I love perfect. it. It was perfect. And, and I, I feel like each of those is approachable enough where no one's hearing that saying that's unattainable or that's too, you know, out of this world. So I, I'm really confident that anyone who is listening can take and maybe start to just kind of get the wheels turning on curiosity, on asking questions and asking yeah. that question, what makes me lovable? Or, you know, what, no matter how small can I I appreciate or enjoy about my body or about an ability, a talent, something unrelated. So yeah. um, Brie, thank you so, so much for bringing your best to the mic this morning. I cannot wait for everyone to hear this on our show. Um, but if anyone who is listening to this message is saying, I need more of this. <laughs> I need more information like this to further whatever journey I might be on. Can you share a little bit about where people can find you? 
Absolutely. So I don't know how quick of a turnaround your your podcast episodes go. Um, so we're recording this in, in the winter of 2020. So um, I am currently not taking on any new clients until um, I'm going to start a waiting list in like early spring um, to start this summer. So I do uh, body image coaching. I do individual coaching. And I also will be launching a couple of groups this summer. Um, haven't ironed out all the details yet as it's been a very, very busy winter for me. Um, you can find me on Instagram, body image with Brie. You can also email me at uh, bodyimagewithbrie at gmail.com. I have a website. It's www.lifepointscounseling.com. My hope is that at some point I'm going to actually create a new website. Um, so I'll keep you posted on that. And I also have a body grievers workshop that is available for purchase. And um, if you let me know that you listen to this podcast, I will give you a discount. So yeah, so it's available for purchase. You just have to email me and I can send you the information. And so a little bit about body grieving is, you know, just kind of how I talked about that, that observation versus, you know, judgment. Part of my journey was realizing that I had a lot to grieve about accepting being in a larger body. So if that sounds like it resonates with you, uh, I would highly recommend uh, checking out that workshop. Well, you heard it here first podcast. If you get into contact with Bree and say that you heard about it on the podcast, she will hook you up, which is very exciting. I was not expecting that. So I highly encourage anyone who is listening to find Bree, follow her, look at her resources, because again, it is so, so complimentary to this journey of intuitive eating, making peace with food as we have been talking about. So Bree, thank you again so much for being here, for sharing your and Olaf's time <laughs> with me on this Wednesday morning. And that is all we have today podcast. So we will sign off yours, Julie, Bree, and Claire. There you have it, my friend. That brings us to the end of episode 142 of the Yours Truly podcast from the archives today with Brie Campos. Again, all of Brie's information is going to be linked in the show notes, so go follow her. Give her all the love on social if you do not already. And if you were looking for a way to show this podcast some love, if you like today's episode or anything else that I share here, it would mean the world to me if you could take a minute or two, whatever time you have to tap those five stars, maybe leave a review as well. If you feel so inclined, you can do that if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, but if you are choosing to listen elsewhere, be it Spotify or SoundCloud, you can spread the word about this episode by screenshotting it, maybe sharing it to social media. Feel free to give me at Claire Tuning a tag along with Brie as well at Body Image with Brie. We would love to see that you are listening and send you a, a thank you for doing so. But that is all that I have for today. So until next Wednesday with another episode of the podcast, I hope you have a great rest of your week ahead and take care.